Aussie Sevens dominance assessed on the splash today, and we're joined by women's co-captain Shannon Parry. It's Monday, the 29th of January. It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome into The Splash. Christy Doran, uh, part of the Fox Rugby team, joining us in the podcast Bunker today to talk about Seven's dominance in Sydney over the weekend. Welcome, Christy. Good afternoon, Philip. First time this year on the show. It is. Uh, welcome back. Happy New Year uh, to everyone out there and to you as well, mate. First and foremost, uh, look, we're going to chat to uh, co-captain of the women's Aussie team, Shannon Parry, uh, in a second. Yeah, big round of applause there. The women who dominated New Zealand in the final 31-0, went through the entire tournament without conceding a single point. Never been done before across a men's or a women's uh, tournament at sevens. It's just astonishing, mate. Yeah, it certainly is. And they played out of their skins, particularly on the, on the, in the final two days, uh, but Sunday especially. Uh, we, we, we saw them have a, a pretty easy run to the final. They had a couple of pool games. The Olympic gold medalists, of course. Indeed. We saw them play the, uh, Spain in the quarterfinals and they, for the second straight uh, match. They beat them 29-0, rode mm. through against Russia and then uh, the big dance against New Zealand who they lost three times to last year during the World Series 7s uh, tour stage. And, and then this time, for, right from the start, right from the outset, they were superb and, and they were led by Sean Parry who just made a, a massive tackle in the opening seconds Followed that up by a penalty over the ball, stole the ball, uh, and then moments later crashes over the line to score the first one. And from that moment, they mm. just looked like they were going to win uh, the entire match right the way through. The Aussie men's uh, went through and won 29-0 in their final against New Zealand as well, dominating, ending a six-year uh, title drought. Um, and they'd reached seven finals in between uh, their uh, success uh, in the final uh, as well on the weekend. We will talk about that later. But first, a few headlines. Cameron Munster has found himself in hot water uh, with some fisty cuffs reportedly uh, up uh, during the World Cup camp up in Darwin with uh, teammate Ben Hunt. Head to the website. James Hooper broke this one for Fox Sports today. More details on the Fox Sports website. Um, OKC v Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA got personal today. It was dunk for dunk for dunk involving Ben Simmons, his teammate Joel Embiid, and Russell Westbrook of the Thunder. Uh, Nathan Ryan has been uh, live blogging the WWE Royal Rumble all morning, and if that kind of thing floats your boat, head to the website for some of the highlights there. Um, and also in rugby, uh, Carmichael Hunt, he faced court today. Christy, um, very quickly, uh, can you give us a, a little update as to how that went? Of course, he, he was found in possession uh, of cocaine and some other things uh, just before uh, New Year's. Yeah, he did. And uh, that, that court hearing has been adjourned to the February 19th, which is just days before the Queensland Reds are to tackle 
the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, so you can you can scrap his name out of uh, at least the very first week, and you can imagine that he's going to be out for a little while to come, regardless of the hearing. He could have his contract torn up if he's found guilty. Uh, if he if he's not, it begs the question. Does Brad Thorne, the new coach, want him part of his side? Because mm. uh, reality is he's trying to turn a new chapter on the Reds. It's a very young roster. And do you want a player like Carmichael Hunt, who's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons yeah. and not for the first time, do you want him part of that setup, leading some of these guys forward? Exactly. And uh, I might ask you a, a little bit more about that a little later in the show but let's dive into Australia's triumph over the weekend in the Sydney Sevens Uh, and joining us on the Splash podcast is co-captain of the women's uh, undefeated unbeaten uh, invincible team uh, Shannon Parry welcome to the Splash and congratulations Shannon Thank you very much. It was a fantastic weekend down there at Allianz Stadium. And, yeah, really thankful that the crowd got amongst it and the, the men and women both came with the trophy at the end of the day. It's Yeah, it's never a, a doubt that the, the crowd are going to get amongst it at the Sydney Sevens, is it? <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. You know, for us to specifically, for the women to play those three games on Friday on Australia Day, what a better way to to have your Australia Day by putting on that green and gold for our families and friends. It was definitely something that we will remember as a, as a team and a squad for, for a very long time. It, it doesn't happen very often we get to play on home soil, but to, to do it on Australia Day was definitely something special. Shannon, we, we, we touched upon it yesterday, but going through in a tournament, 213 points uh, for, zero against. <laughs> yeah. the, the first time it, it's ever happened in, in a tournament, men's or women's, uh, have you had time to to kind of process how extraordinary that is? Um, not really, to be honest. I obviously saw the the back page of one of the newspapers today, and it had the score two hundred and thirteen to nil. And I think it's just testament to the to the characters that we've got amongst the group and the squad, and you know to the maestro Tim Walsh in the terms of he gave us the game plan that he thought would beat the Kiwis and it was up to us to just execute it. So, you know, it came down to that final, but it was a whole defensive effort since Dubai, really, to be honest with you. There's been a huge emphasis on that amongst the squad because we knew that's an area that we needed to target it and we need to get our tackle stats up. So it's good to see all the hard work's paid off. And, yeah, you don't see that very often that, Teams go six games undefeated at sevens anyway with uh, with a donut next to their defence record, that's for sure. When you think about uh, training and preparing for a sevens tournament, um, myself and I'm sure a lot of other people out there are not really picturing much much en- emphasis on defence. Uh, how, how do you do that kind of work in a, in a, sevens, in a sevens format? Yeah, like for us, we always have one main contact training um, throughout the week, throughout our five-day week, and that's always specific around that ruck, that breakdown, um, tackle tech, looking at ways that we can get faster ball to play off, um, looking at how clinical your attack skill can be when you're in a difficult situation. And then we've generally got another two specific um, sessions that will be like, individualized to the to the player and they'll work on specifically your tackle tech and looking at areas that we can you know improve that defense it's down to that communication it's about everyone trusting the systems and yeah we do spend a lot of time on defense at the end of the day defense wins championships for sure shannon just uh, just on the on the men clearly 
you guys would have celebrated uh, and, and had a couple of hours before the men took part in their final. For the two of you, the two sides to, to come out on top in, in Sydney, mm. your home country, uh, how, how was last night's celebrations? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was fantastic, to be honest. We see all the hard work that the boys have, have put in over the last number of years since we've been centralised. And, you know, they've only been a few bounces of the balls away from winning previously. But to see that come off of those boys, it was, you know, it was a sense of relief. They played fantastic in that final. And South Africa were the form team, but it was very pleasing to see our boys, you know, muscle it up and, and come away with that win. But um, there's no doubt there's going to be a few sore heads this morning. Um, there are a few, a few quiet people in our hotel. But, um, Where'd you yeah, go? No, the, the Captain Cook Hotel over the road from Allianz or...? What was, uh, what was, no, we were, we were down in Coogee, so we were staying uh, at the Crown in Coogee, so we, we went to the um, Coogee Pavilion and had a few drinks and stuff, and then we just um, <laughs> came back up to the hotel, but it, yeah, it was a, a nice celebration, and we got to share it with family and friends after we won at the field there, so it was, yeah, it was really nice to have them there as well. And plenty of time to recover uh, before the next uh, Sevens event for you girls, which I believe is the Commonwealth Games in, in April. Yeah, that'll be the next uh, the next major tournament. We've actually got a team going up to Brisbane uh, this weekend to play in the Super 7s up there, and we're hoping to pick up another tournament somewhere between now and the Commonwealth Games because obviously two months between rugby is uh, a lot of time without playing an actual game. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're looking to pick up a few matches, but the next major tournament will be the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in April. Mm. Just on uh, after after the men won last night, clearly your your presentation, the, the the jersey presentation, took part on the on the Thursday, if I'm not wrong, is that right? Yeah, it took, it took place on um, the Thursday night. Cause we obviously kicked off first thing Friday morning, and uh, we were very lucky enough to have one of the Australia's leading women in terms of sport, Elise Perry, come down and present our jerseys. And you know, she's been a trailblazer in terms of mm. her commitments to soccer and her commitments to, uh, to Cricket Australia as well. But yeah, it was a, a very nice formal um, jersey presentation, and some wise words were said. and yeah, it was really nice to get out of the traditional process of usually a Wallaby or Wallaby representing the jersey. But, yeah, well, she went a different step this time, which he's known to do that. And, yeah, it was really nice to have something different and, you know, as a woman leading the way as well. And the men also, they uh, they had their families come in and, and present their jerseys. A few of them said it was a rather touching experience for them. Did, and, and Ed Jenkins even said that he thought it was the catalyst for their victory over the weekend. Did you get a sense at all that the impact that might have had on the men? Yeah, I think we, the girls actually got their jerseys presented by their parents before the Rio Olympic Games the night mm. before. Wow. And it was, it was definitely something very special. It was a total surprise to us and <laughs> we thought it could be Kathy Freeman, it could be Anna Mears, it could be anyone. We had no idea who it was. And yeah, then we turned around and our, all our families and friends, we had no idea that they had come at that time and they'd met they'd met there and presented our jerseys and yeah it's definitely a, a very special moment and for me to receive it from my parents it was yeah an unbelievable moment I have no doubt that you know that was probably the the catalyst of the boys winning on the weekend it was definitely a significant part in that to be able to share it with all their families and friends that gathered there on, on the Thursday night as well to to celebrate and obviously having the host tournament at home and that emphasis on performing well and it was really pleasing to see them pull through. I genuinely just got butterflies just thinking about the thought of being presented a jersey yeah, by, by your parents. I think that's amazing. A really nice touch there. Uh, Christy, 
you penned a story uh, for Fox Sports, the website, this morning um, about Charlotte Kaslick, uh, her comments. One of Shannon's teammates disappointed uh, with the lack of primetime exposure that the women got over the weekend at the tournament. Not many people at the venue, in the crowd, at those moments when the when the girls were on the park. Um, can you just explain this story a little bit first? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so Charlotte, after after yesterday's final, in fact, um, well, clearly she was ecstatic with the result, but she did lament the fact that a lot of the a lot of the time when women do play at a tournament that men are at, uh, that they're generally playing earlier in the day. And you even mm. saw that with the final on Sunday. That what, I think it was two thirty-seven that they played their final. Probably still a few people coming into the gates on on, on the Saturday. They had their their quarterfinal against Spain at nine forty-four in the morning, which is rather early. You don't yeah. you don't quite see those quarterfinals happening so early in the in the men's format. What we've got to say though, it's the first time. In, in the history of Rugby Sevens that we've had a fully integrated men's and women's tournament um, at the same venue where all the games have been played on Allianz. So that's a huge tick and a, and a really big milestone that Australian rugby should be celebrating firstly. I suppose, um, Shannon, being a co-captain, you've been around the, uh, the, the Rugby Sevens and, and rugby for, for the almost your entire life. What, what's your thoughts on, uh, on having to play earlier? Yeah, I definitely think there's obviously um, a, an issue with the scheduling there. Obviously, last year we had to play our quarterfinals and on Kipax across the road. So, firstly, to have the parity and to be able to play across the three days, that was, for me, that was something special. And to play all your games at Allianz there. And at 2.37, the crowd was actually bigger than what there was for the men's final. So, you know, to be honest, it's something that, that, that they need to look at. But as you said, I think the, the first tick was having the parity across the three days and to be able to have every single game at Allianz Stadium. So, yeah, I think it could just be a reshuffling of the scheduling. It's something that will obviously come up in the review of Sydney Sevens. Um, and it's something to, to look into, but they've definitely stepped it up. Sydney Seven from last year to this year, which is which is very pleasing from the the women's side. We've been able to play on the main stadium in front of thousands of people there yesterday, so it was fantastic. We, we see sports like tennis, and you have a final at seven thirty, and it was a classic the other night between the Royal Rumble. It's on right now. Yeah. The, the WWE they've got the the women's <laughs> first Royal Rumble, and it's taking place uh, after the the men's main events. <laughs> well, well, there you go, uh, Shannon. A, a question for you: If you if if you did have women playing later in the in the night, and I suppose men and women right throughout the three days playing at various times. Uh, would that be like? Would there, would you see an issue in terms of having to have such a long time between games? Because I dare say the breaks between matches would be much longer if that was the case. Yeah, I guess it's you know both sides have got their positives and negatives. Like obviously when we played at Rio, we had three to five hour breaks between games. So. Yeah, we played two games each day. Um, you know, but in saying that, we played a final in Twickenham a number of years ago against Canada, and we played on the men's day one, and we were the last game, the third and fourth playoff played, and then we played after all the men's finals. And to be honest, within probably 10 minutes of us warming up, going back to the changing room, coming back out to the field, the whole of Twickenham was empty. So it's got to be looked at in the right aspect, and it's got to be promoted properly so that people – Obviously, in, in London, they obviously didn't know we were playing, so they obviously cleared out the stadium and, you know, took in on fits, 100, probably 100,000, and then within 10 minutes it was dead empty and you could hear a pin drop. So 
it's got to be looked at carefully in terms of the scheduling and the the timing that I guess when teams are playing. But if you could play two, two and two across three days and make it a, a huge rugby festival, I can't see why mm. you know having an extra hour here or an extra hour there is going to make any difference. To be honest, it's a logistical challenge, but one I'm sure. Uh, international rugby as a whole and the Sevens are, are looking into. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to integrate a lot more tournaments, male and female, and these are obviously issues that are going to consistently come up around timing, scheduling, fields, you know, change room allocations. These are all things that come with, you know, putting, what, 28 teams together in one complex. Like, we're so lucky mm-hmm. at Alliance there to have the SCG literally next door where they're able to use their facilities as well. There's not many many stadiums around the world that can host 28 teams on a weekend of footy. Yeah, for sure. Shannon, thank you very much for joining the Splash and enjoy the rest of your celebrations before uh, Com Games preparations begin. No worries. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks, Shannon. Go well. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Shannon Parry, for joining the Splash. Christy Doran still with us. Um, and let's quickly talk about the men's, um, who also went through um, in dominant fashion in the Sydney Sevens, winning the final over the Kiwis 29-0. Um, what an extraordinary uh, achievement by them, who ended a six-year drought. Yeah, it was extraordinary. We've got used to the women dominating the headlines <laughs> in the Sevens. And mm. yes, they had a, a disappointing year by their standards last year. They bombed out in the semifinals of the, uh, of the Sydney Sevens. But, but yesterday, we had to wait until a long time. It wasn't until about 9 o'clock, just before 9, that the men made their way onto Allianz, and it was certainly worth the wait. It was a shaky start. Mm. Uh, they've lost seven, as, as you've mentioned, uh, runners-up seven times in the World Series since 2012 when they beat Samoa by a point in Tokyo. Uh, but this one here... Look, they, they were shaky. James Stannard, Louis Holland, their two most experienced players making errors inside the first couple of minutes. But then we saw the tackle that just turned the game on its head. It was uh, Lockie Anderson running down uh, Speckman, Roscoe Speckman, one of the best players on, on the World Series stage, and uh, managed to drag him in. And Speckman put a, a toe on touch before putting the ball down. It was a massive change because just moments later, Australia go on to score through Louis Holland. And then they put they put 29 on the, the mm. defending world champions. Unbelievable. Unbelievable result. What are we doing right uh, in, the, in terms of our development of, of our sevens teams, both men's and women's? Well, from a men's perspective, we've seen Andy Friend who came on board a couple of years ago and they found him. Former Brumbies coach. In, indeed. And then went over to Japan and he... Uh, he he would probably say himself he had very little to do with the the Australian side at the Sydney Sevens two years ago, but they, in fact, lost in heartbreaking circumstances mm. in the final. Uh, he just jumped on board and self-admitted that he didn't really know the Sevens game at that stage. It was stage. a bit of a head-scratching call at that point it, in time. A big decision indeed. And uh, but, but look, it's starting to show that his influence on the group because he's basically grabbed a bunch of youngsters. There A lot of them are 20, 21 years of age. And then there's one or two experienced guys, the likes of Stannard, the likes of Louis Holland. Uh, we've just seen and seeing Ed Jenkins retire. Mm. Uh, and, and he had to say, I spoke to him last night after the win, and it's quite ironic that Ed Jenkins, one of Australia's greats, 
retires and then as soon as he pulls the pin they win something and he had a little <laughs> bit of a joke about that last yeah, night yeah. on the on the field but he he said that he thought the the big uh the big turn up was was the big change was the fact that the, the families presented the jersey speaking to guys like James Stannard James said that look after Cape Town they were angry with themselves they weren't disappointed with that how they went they were angry that they didn't get out of the pool stage both the men and the women had huge pre-seasons and a really big uh, last month leading up to Sydney Sevens on the weekend, Australia Day long weekend, and what a celebration. You couldn't have asked for a better start for Australian rugby than seeing both the men and the women go through undefeated, both winning without having a conceding a point in the final. Great tick for Australian rugby first up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh on a sour note, though, of course, Carmichael Hunt, uh, this issue. We did mention it off the top. Uh, Brad Thorne does, does not strike me as the kind of coach that's going to cop this kind of thing when he's trying to instill the culture that he is at the Reds. And given uh, the error uh, that Carmichael Hunt made a few years ago, uh, you know, as he made that transition from the Suns back to um, back to one of the rugby codes, uh this isn't looking good. No, it's not. And and you speak to people at the Reds, you speak to the people from the Australian rugby. And look, Raylene Castle said that the new Australian CEO on January 15, uh, basically when, when she came and, and took the role over from, from Bill Pulver, she said, look, it, it's pretty hard to keep giving chances to someone. She didn't, uh, it was a little bit of a telegraph to what you expect to come that regardless, I think, of if, if he's guilty or not, uh, Carmichael is going to be missing a, a big proportion of this year, you would think. And it was a little bit interesting that his that his lawyer a couple of days ago spoke to uh, to Wayne Smith at the Australian, great uh, rugby writer, and 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 the lawyer said they hadn't worked out what they were going to do at that stage. And he said similar remarks today. It's a little bit odd that you, you wouldn't know what you're doing. You're either guilty or you're not, really. Um, you either have the cocaine on, on, on possession or you don't. So if you didn't, you would think, well, clearly we're going to challenge this. And if you do, well, then you're thinking, well, how, how do we come out of this uh, still standing? Um, it doesn't Damage look like it's, Yeah, it, mm. it doesn't look like it's going to have a happy ending. And it's really unfortunate because... Carmichael, uh, we saw him have a breakout year last year, and given that Brad Thorns let Quade Cooper go, you thought, oh, Carmichael's his importance to this side is is tenfold now, and he and he mm. would have played a big role at, at fullback. The Reds have brought a couple of back guys back from from oh, I'm not going to say the dead, but a couple of guys that left the club a number of years ago in in Ben Lucas and John O'Lance. Uh, John O'Lance, of course, being part of that 2011 winning side played fullback, so I think you'll see that the two of them uh, quite possibly come straight back into this starting side. Mm, yeah, for sure. And did you uh, did you watch Roger last night? Salute for his 20th Grand Slam. Oh, unbelievable, wasn't it? it, it <laughs> there's few words to, to, to describe him. Um, I, I read one headline, it was like, uh, he goes from legend to immortal. But I, I could have sworn he was already at a mortal status oh, he, anyway. He, he was, and <laughs> it, it was it was nice to see him uh, to choke up. It's it's one of 
sports uh, a little bit like when a, a cricketer gets hit in the box or Roger Federer starts crying. We all seem to embrace it and, <laughs> and, and love the moment. Um, Rod, Rod Laver, he was clearly enjoying it. I think he also said that, that Roger is the GOAT. He's incredible. Mm. And uh, the way he, he talks and speaks, addresses to the media, talks to the fans, uh, he, he's a great asset to tennis and to sport. We had one of the greats recently retire, Phil Taylor of, uh, of darts fame. Um, but it doesn't look like Roger's retiring anytime soon. He, he certainly didn't want to talk about going down that path just yet. And why would you? He's, you know, he's still playing like the best player in the world. So shout out to Roger. Shout out to Caroline Wozniacki for winning her first Grand Slam, which concluded um, two thrilling weeks down at Melbourne Park. Uh, and shout out to all the Splash listeners and subscribers out there. Christy, thank you for joining us on this Monday. Thank you, Philip. And uh, that'll do us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back every day this week. Uh, And until then, that's a wrap.